What's going on you guys? Welcome back to the part two of the Ask Me Anything Q&A thing that we're doing. I actually split this video into two parts. I've already posted part one, which was more of the fun questions. Now we're gonna be focusing on in on more of the investments, uh, more of the stock market related questions or anything. There's a bunch of Bitcoin questions. So as always, appreciate your uh, support on the channel. Give this video a thumbs up, but let's get into a couple of these. Nathan asks, what are your thoughts on ARK Invest? Are you bullish or bearish? What are your thoughts about them posting their positions every day? Um, I think this is clearly a very, very innovative group of funds. I think Kathy Woods is a very exciting manager. I don't think she's a god like many other people tend to worship her. No doubt she's done a good job of picking good investments and Tesla's clearly paid off for her. She's took some very bold stances, even on a number of other holdings. She does a good job of identifying good trends and uh, disruptive companies, but I don't think she's a god by any means. I think investors in general are on a hype train with these entire suite of ETFs. And although there could be great companies underlying and they really will change the world, when you see the type of performance that the fund has, at least in my experience, when you see all these investors and new money that floods into these ETFs, they usually end up bad. And if you're just trying to get into the ARK ETFs now to kind of chase the Tesla performance, that's really been a main driver. Again, I don't follow these too closely, so could be wrong. I didn't actually know they post their positions every day, but I think that's very cool. I think it's very good. That's very transparent. I know a lot of investors that look within the funds and get good ideas for some small growth companies, some promising companies, because again, they are good at identifying them. But I mean, my thought process on it is if this Kathy Woods is as good as she, not to downplay her performance, she's done well, but if she's this God that everyone looks up to, I mean, why are we just hearing about her in 2020? Why has she not done this for the past number of decades. Again, I haven't really looked into her history, so maybe she has. There's that saying, everyone looks like a genius in a bull market, but I mean, Tesla's down, what, 20% over the past couple of days. I think just as fast as something exciting like that goes up, it could go down. So I personally don't uh, invest in the ARK ETFs whatsoever. A gun to your head, you have to go with one portfolio for the rest of your life. What is it comprised of? I definitely go with a balanced portfolio that I would create myself. I would include some big names, tech names that I feel are gonna be really relevant over the next number of decades. Probably companies like the Amazons and the Googles. Just as equally to those tech higher, you know, growth companies, I'd also balance that out with some safer defensive companies. So the Bellwethers, the Stalwarts, like Walmarts, and the Coca-Colas, the TD Banks of the world. Believe it or not, if this was for the rest of my life, I would probably include some bonds in there. I know bonds suck right now, but if I had to run with this for the rest of my life, I'd probably allocate about 20% there. Otherwise go with a pretty nice mix. Best books to learn about investing. This would totally depend on what your current skill level is. If you're just getting started, a couple books that I read very early on was One Up on Wall Street, A Random Walk Down Wall Street. I also like a book called Simple Wealth, Inevitable Wealth by Nick Murray. It's actually one that I recommend to a lot of people that are just starting out. But as you get up this uh, scale of knowledge, the intelligent investor is definitely one that you have to put on your reading radar at some point as you get better and better. In fact, I actually tried to tackle this book, which is also written by the same author as The Intelligent Investor. You have to be a very, very... <laughs> a very, very in-depth investor to comprehend this book. In fact, I made it about a quarter of the way through. I skipped ahead and I had to put this book aside because even for someone like myself, I've been investing for 10 years. This book is not easy, but it is one hell of a book from the parts that I did read. Obviously, if you want overall finance, go read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, Richest Man in Babylon. Those are good for just kind of more or less finance concepts, but investing related, you gotta read The Intelligent Investor. What are your favorite top three stocks to own? Currently, let me think this one through. I don't have any off the top of my head. Um, 
I always like Apple. I can always pretty much rely on Apple. I like Google. Google's another one that I think is a pretty clear long-term winner. I like Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google. No, I'm just joking. Not all the fan stocks, but I like, I, I like Apple. I like Google. And my third pick is the company Tencent. Been buying that stock since 2016, 2017. So yeah, Chinese company, but those will probably be my top picks. As of now, always subject to change. You know, maybe I could argue right now where I feel we are in the market, maybe I wanna go a little more defensive, but just long-term in general, those are probably my top three companies that I think, uh, those are probably my top three right now. Why did you start investing? I started investing because my dad got me into it. As you guys know, my dad's a financial advisor and I didn't really have much of a choice to be honest. He didn't like stronghold me or anything, but when I was 10, 11, 12, he had an account set up for me and that's when I had my first mutual funds. I had shares of Coke and I had shares of McDonald's. Those were the first two I ever bought. I still own those shares today. I own more shares than that, I've added to them. But yeah, when I started taking it a little more seriously was when I got a little bit older and I decided to go out and get my license and whatnot. That was, uh, that was a personal choice, but it was just because it was a field that I thought it was, um, I thought it was a field that was important and I saw it as a path to work in. Go work for my dad and uh, that was my career. And now now we've shifted here online. What is the best non-traditional investment you've ever made? I have a pretty clear winner for this. I consider this non-traditional, but one time I went out and purchased a training program. I went out and bought an online course and I paid $5,800, $5,800 USD. And that was after paying $2,000 for the base course and then I went and joined the next level program. This was at a time where I didn't have that much money, uh, not a lot much extra capital laying around and I had just enough in my bank account to cover that cost. It went all in one chunk. I remember sitting there after seeing that like wire go through or the payment, it was my credit card, but I felt this, like in the pit of my stomach, I felt this crazy, oh, like it felt so bad. However, I'm glad I went with my gut because the connections I made from that program, the stuff that I learned, the skills that I developed, it's a business, it was an entrepreneurial business type of uh, training program. And I've made my money back a hundredfold. I've made, uh, really, it, it's, well, I don't know the exact math on that, but it was the best investment that I've ever made, hands down. What's your thoughts on debts versus investments? For someone who's just finished school, I always wonder how much I should invest or even if I should invest at all. Cheers, Brandon. Uh, that question is so, there's so many variables. I think if you want to look at it from a mathematical standpoint, you got to factor in the interest rate, right? Depends on how much you're paying on that debt. Debt right now in general, depending on what type of debt, it could be very, very cheap to own or to hold. There's also some more expensive debts out there. If it's credit card debt, then pay it off because you can get a better return on your money there. But if it's a very low interest rate return, I know a lot of student loans even are, there's a lot of grace and a lot of generosity if that's what you're talking about. I would personally do both if I was in that position, but that's just given my circumstances. Another thing to factor in is how comfortable you feel with carrying debt. Some people wanna wipe it out. That could be really the deciding factor, all math aside. But yeah, it's not a, there's not a black and white answer there for sure. What is your price target on EQB? Are you still holding long-term hold? It has run up 35 cents since you made a video on it. EQB, EQ Bank, Equitable Holdings, or equitable group, I don't own that stock anymore. So as you mentioned there, it went up for a decent little run and uh, I took the profits I wanted to invest elsewhere. I have certain stocks in my portfolio, which I will not touch, that I will call core holdings and go. EQB was one of the peripheral ones. So no, I don't own that stock anymore. I do think they have good, good opportunity for dividend growth because they have a very, very low payout ratio. But uh, to answer your question, I don't have a price target to begin with and no, I'm not holding them anymore. Hi Brandon, can you tell me if there's a limit on how much US stocks we are allowed to have from Diane. 
no, there's no limit on US stocks. There's no limit on Canadian stocks. Go buy whatever you want, assuming you can afford it. And uh, yeah, no limit. You can do whatever you want with your selection. Go out and buy as much as you want. Thoughts on using an RRSP for a down payment for my first home? Yeah, why not, right? The home buyer's plan is something we have here. Uh, HBP is something we have right here in Canada and it allows you to take out I believe they increase it to $35,000. You can basically take a loan from yourself. Maybe you don't have the money elsewhere. You can take a loan for yourself. You just have to make sure you're paying it back. If you want to, I think it's not a bad idea at all. If you have the money elsewhere, hey, maybe just let your investments grow. They both could work out very well. I'm gonna answer this question again, even though I did in the last video, but what are your thoughts on collectibles as an investment? Do you see, do you see yourself ever getting into something like NBA Top Shot? the new blockchain based trading platform. I have a friend, he was actually my old basketball coach. He's over in Toronto and he was telling he months ago, literally three months ago, he was sending me uh, WhatsApp messages saying, yo, you should get into these trading cards. Yo, buy this, blah, blah, blah. And they were trading for, you know, 40, 50 bucks a piece, maybe a couple hundred bucks at most. And I saw what he sent me. I said, are you stupid? Like, what do you, don't send me this stuff. I'm like, what are you talking about? It was the weirdest little message. He told me it a couple times, a couple times. And it's just now that this is really starting to blow up. Through his help, I bought my first moment. I got a Steph Curry uh, three-pointer for about $1,200 USD. So $1,200. So I got a little moment there. As of today, or as of, well, I spoke with him actually earlier today, $700,000 invested in uh, NBA Top Shot majority of that from growth. If that tells you anything about it, clearly mo there's money to be made here. It's all based on Ethereum, all based on the blockchain. So it is a legitimate space, but is it highly risky? Is it in a big bubble? I think so. I actually saw a video one time saying, if you use the example of Pokemon cards, right? Pokemon cards, there's hundreds of different Pokemon out there. There's a hundred different options. And it's just a very select few, such as the Charizards, the shiny Charizards that are valuable. And they do have value. They can actually be a good asset to own, but the rest of them are just junk and they're priced that way. Now, if you look at NBA Top Shop, because there's so much value, uh, so much money flowing into this market, everything's going up. My friend was selling a Marquis Chris moment. Marquis Chris for a few hundred bucks USD. It's like, is that really worth it? Or is that just speculation and hype? That's speculation and hype. You could argue that people like LeBron and people like Curry, these generational players that will one day have status like, uh, you know, a LeBron, J uh, like a Michael Jordan. Hey, maybe they do have long-term value. It could be a fun little way to diversify your assets or investments, but I wouldn't take it all too serious. I, I shouldn't say that. People are making good money right now and hopefully that continues for them. But if I were to look at sports collectibles or something of that sort, I'd look at it as more of a hobby and kind of stash the money over there rather than actual uh, sound investment. Just my personal opinion though. Fundamental analysis, which ratio to look for to have a global picture the basic ones. I'm not sure exactly what that question is asking, but there is no single ratio to look for. In order to execute proper fundamental analysis, you need to have a thorough understanding of the entire puzzle. In the next month or two, we will be releasing a mastery program and we go through everything. Balance sheets, income statements, all the ratios, all the financial health metrics, how to dissect every single thing. It is gonna be one hell of a program and it's been taking up a lot of my time. It's, we're a bit delayed on it, but that is coming soon. If you were gonna say, what's one ratio I could look at? No single ratio can tell you everything. You have to use them in conjunction together and they essentially are just indicators and you can piece them together to get a better idea. What do you think of Rich Dad, Poor Dad? 
his vice buying silver. I actually didn't know about that till I saw your comment here. I do think that it's a very viable strategy to be buying silver and gold right now. It's never been an asset that was a high priority for me. That said, given the state of our world and there's talks of inflation coming and Dalio's been preaching it from I was gonna say months, maybe even years now that we have this decade where gold may be a good asset to own or silver in this case, which is basically gold's little brother or little sister. Could be some very valid advice, but I haven't actually heard the exact advice from Rich Dad Poor Dad. With quantitative easing, devaluation of the currency, here's another good one, or, or here's one that builds off that, massive sovereign debt. How do you think this all eventually ends? That's a good question, Michael. I don't know. You look at the debt that the US in particular, we typically look to the US, but the type of debt levels they've taken on, we can't say we've seen that before. I don't know the answer to that. It's, um, you think that eventually this comes back to bite people in the butt, but how that's gonna be the case, I, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, it's a very, very good question. Wish I had a better answer for you there. What are all the stocks you own? Canadian and USD. What are the key indicators, alarms that would prompt you to sell your shares? Good question from Andres. Uh, it depends on what stock we're looking at. Again, some stocks, as I touched on earlier, some are my core companies that I just don't ever really wanna sell. And even if they've done really well, often I'll just ride it up. And if they go down, I'll buy when they go down. But if it's a stock that's kind of a peripheral stock for me, one that I don't really, it's not like a, a core position of mine, if the stock does very, very well over a short period of time, and I think it's a little unjustified, and you typically know when that happens, you just see the type of returns over very short periods of time that just don't really add up, that could either cause for, that could either lead me to either trim a position or just sell out entirely and take those profits, take those gains and put it somewhere else. Again, it really depends on the stocks that we are looking at, but I don't yet necessarily use any alerts or alarms. Uh, I don't use any trading alerts myself. I did when I started off and I just started getting so many notifications on my email that it was just terribly annoying. Could look at something like RSI with, that's something like very, very peripheral, uh, relative strength index. If you're looking kind of to see some, more or less some little tips, whether you should confirm a sell or not. But other than that, it's more or less just in relation to the overall portfolio, whether I think it's one to trim or whether it's one that I uh, no longer want to hold. Shady asks, do you ever day trade? Do you... Oh. Crispy asks, what are your thoughts on Canadian growth stocks like CloudMD, Lights, or LSPD, Docebo, Dai, and Durham? Uh, I actually don't follow all of those stocks, but I do peripherally a couple of those names. And I think they're very exciting fields. I think Canada has really stepped up in some ways. They are without it, they're, they're without a doubt very, very promising. I kind of tie them in like those ARC ETFs, which just have a lot of excitement around them. And I feel like hype often can really skew a lot of these companies' valuations, but long-term wise, and again, I'm not speaking on those companies in particular because I don't follow them that closely, but I do really like some of the new companies that are arising here in Canada, especially in the, the health space. They do look quite promising. Do you ever consider the viability of disruptive growth stocks? You seem to never mention any of these despite them having the largest capital appreciation during the pivotal time that we're living through. Good question there from Thomas. Yeah, these stocks aren't necessarily, I don't own any of these, you know, high growth disruptive growth stocks. I'm assuming you're talking here psychedelics here in Canada and uh, the cloud MDs, et cetera, et cetera. They definitely have done well and they've provided some good capital appreciation, but you kind of nailed it right there. You said they're doing well during this pivotal time that we're living through. 
these growth periods don't last forever. As much as we'd love for that to be the case, the reality is that that's not true. And I've personally always preferred a strategy of leaning on companies that are more reliable and that I don't have to stress about when to buy and sell and when to get out. These growth periods don't last forever. And we are in a period where they have done very well. If you look at any type of return, like uh, sector return or asset type return, when you have these awesome stocks that do really, really well, a couple years later or a year later, they are the worst performing asset class. And you can go back and look up a number of those diversification charts. I, I find those fascinating every single time. Rather than going out and myself, getting involved in that type of area of the market, I prefer to lean on companies that I know are gonna do well, guaranteed over the long term. I mean, nothing's a guarantee, but if I own a company like Google or a company like Apple, there's a lot more certainty there than owning a company like, you know, a psychedelic company that's just getting started and there's a lot of excitement. You guys know I'm a big believer in dividends as well and pretty much guaranteed none of these smaller companies are gonna pay a dividend. So, hey, they'll do well. If you wanna play that game, play that game. It's just not my style. And there's a lot of different styles of investing. If you wanna go find another channel that's gonna talk about those stocks, go, good luck, go have some fun with those. But it's just outside of my, my style of investing, to put it simply. I'll just take one final look here on my phone. I'll answer, to finish things off, I'll answer the Bitcoin. Uh, I'll, to finish things off, I'll go with a Bitcoin or cryptocurrency one, but I'll just make sure that I don't have any other ones here. What is your next play? My next play, I don't really, I don't really have plays. I have like, you know, long-term boring plays. So I don't really have a next play, personally. Best site for RRSP for holding US and Canadian funds. I believe a lot of the brokerages will let you. I just know Wealthsimple wouldn't. So Wealthsimple Trade would not be the one to go for. I obviously use Quest Trade, but I was even thinking about doing a video on, man, the support has just really diminished across the board with all platforms, not just Quest Trade. RBC, TD, uh, we have students. One of our students was on the line for an hour and 40 minutes with RBC, with one of the big banks, which has all this financial backing, and they still don't have the support to handle the flow of new investors that's happening right now, which sucks. It sucks for us if you do need to get some support. So that's pretty much industry-wide, but I believe you can hold uh, US dollars and Canadian funds in the banks. Questrade definitely lets you as well. Do you hold REITs in your TFSA or would it be better to put growth and value stocks? I don't own any REITs in my TFSA. In fact, I don't actually don't own any REITs in my entire portfolio. You guys know I've never been a fan personally, as just personal preference. You could make a fair argument for REITs in the TFSA because of the, obviously, tax-free account, which is awesome. But in my opinion, you have such a finite amount of TFSA space. We only get so much. And this account is, in my opinion, the most powerful, easy account for everybody. I want to maximize that as best as possible. I would typically say, put your more growth stocks, put the ones that you hope to do well, that you have a really high level of conviction on, and they'll be big money makers for you over the years. I guess Reese could do that. They could pull you in a lot of income. But personally for me, I like to put a little more of my, a little more of my exciting stocks in the TFSA. I don't put that much emphasis on where my investments go. I think people make too big of a deal about that when they say, I'm not going to buy, you know, a US stock in my, TFSA because of the withholding tax. I think that's a mistake, but uh, would would you hold REITs in there? You could, but for me, I personally like to put more of my growth stocks, a little more of my exciting stocks in TFSA. After what amount retail investors should think to move their investments to a traditional investing firm to take care of that big amount for them after 100K, 500K, 1 million, or should a person just continue with this in Quest Trade, Well Simple, or any of the others? I think this is a really, really good question actually. And obviously, 
I've seen both sides of this coin. I've used to work at a firm as an advisor, and now I work here at DUI, so I'll try to stay very impartial with this. I don't think there's a set dollar value, but I do think it's a very real consideration. As you get up into the million dollar plus range, even the high hundred thousands, although you do pay fees, those fees can very well be warranted to have someone there to comfort you, to be that second layer of support. I mean, again, I gave the example of Quest Trade and like the hour long support you have, uh, the, line, the phone call lines right now, Imagine you have a million dollars on the line and you can't place a trade or you're having trouble getting into your account and you literally can't, you can't get access to that or whatever the reason is. There's a reason they call them discount brokers and it's because they do come with their disadvantages. So at some point, I think it's not a bad idea to move to a professional. I think when you actually start getting up into the millions of dollars plus, you realize that it's not so much about every single penny that you're pinching. It's about doing what you doing what makes you comfortable with your money. And also when you have bigger amounts like that, you're obviously dealing with taxable accounts, withdrawals to make, you could have some estate planning needs or just budgeting like financial planning needs that you may not have needed when you were just starting out. You may have kids to pay for, you know, budget for their schooling and stuff. And that's that can be a lot to handle just all on your own with an app like Well Simple Trade. So I do think there's value there, but for most people, let it grow to a couple hundred thousand plus before you get to that point. Obviously everyone's level is gonna be different, but that is a very, very good question. There's obviously no set number, all comfort level, but it is something to consider. Let's finish off the final question now with that Bitcoin question. I can't find the exact question, but I'll pop it up on the screen when I do. It's just about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and the future of that. And I think it is very, very promising to see the big companies like the Apples and the Teslas and big money getting involved. It's funny now that they're all involved, Bitcoin was down like, pretty substantially over the past couple of days, which is just the, that's the stock market for you. When all seem, when all seems to be making sense, it just does the exact opposite. But yeah, I think Bitcoin is, uh, it's legit. It's here to stay. Do I think it will ever become our currency? I don't think it will. And I don't think if you, under, if you actually understand Bitcoin, I don't think that's what people are expecting. I think actually, if you look at the definition of an actual currency, like if it's gonna come on, come in here and overtake the US currency, uh, you know, the US dollar or the Canadian dollar, I think those dollars have to have certain level of, they can't be so volatile in order for it to be a nationally accepted or just a generally accepted dollar. Like there has to be, it has to fit some categories. And I don't think Bitcoin will ever get to there due to the nature of it. I think that's one key reason how Bitcoin would never be our dollar, but will it be involved in our in our world? I think so, absolutely. I can't say I know when people are actually gonna be paying with things with Bitcoin. I know you can do certain things now, and I know Tesla's got their exciting ideas where you can pay with Bitcoin into the future. I wouldn't, I've never paid with anything with Bitcoin, although I do own some. I don't see why I ever would. I would just use it as this store of value as it's kind of this new space. You could even make a fair argument in terms of diversification that Bitcoin, it, uh, it helps your portfolio. You take a portion of it when you actually look at how it's correlated. Well, it's not really correlated. The, the lack of correlation to traditional investments, this could be a legitimate asset class. Clearly, it's got a cool idea behind it. I think a lot of people on a consumer level are tired of the banks running everything and the banks kind of controlling the world and the money out there. So that idea in and of itself, I don't see that fading away. I don't see people fading away from this. It's gone through one run and it died down and now it's coming back for another run. It's coming back stronger than ever. I don't know enough to actually speak on it. So this is just like, I'm just kind of rambling here, but do I think it will be around 
into the future? Yeah, I do. A lot of the other cryptocurrencies, those small ones, I have no idea. Ethereum, I think, is making some waves as well because I think that's a pretty, there's some pretty serious applications behind that. But hey, I think that'll wrap it up for the video. That's part two right here. This darn light, it's so, I don't really use this light usually because I usually film at the office and this, it's so harsh. It's so harsh on my skin. I hope I was able to get to everyone's question there. If I wasn't, I apologize. Maybe I'll do another one of these in the future, but I do appreciate every single one of you guys for tuning in, watching the video through to the end. That really does help. If you did, if you learned anything new, drop a big thumbs up. If you're not already subscribed, subscribe to the channel. We post videos every week and we do have our investing academy. First link down below. If you wanna look into that more, we have a training program that will take you start to finish in the stock market. We have a big announcement coming up over the next little while. Uh, that new course is going to be that's not the big announcement but we do how crazy is that we have a course coming out and that's not the big announcement but that'll be out uh we're targeting the end of march so keep an eye on that if you're interested we have a wait list on our website but until then thank you guys for watching i hope you enjoyed and i'll see you in the next video